What's the difference between sin and temptation? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by the Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. Josh, we're talking about another doctrine in this journey through talking about all kinds of horrible, sinful things. Yeah, Isn't that, that great? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure our, our listeners uh, feel about as uplifted as, as, as we do. No, not, not to say that. No, the gospel brings life and encouragement. we got to talk about the bad news, talk about the, the good news. But... Uh, nonetheless, it, it uh, can be wearisome talking about sin and, and the negative effects of living in a fallen world, but it, it is necessary so that we can really augment and highlight the goodness that is the, that is the good news of the gospel. That's right, because the bad news often makes the good news a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, so today we are talking about sin and temptation and their relationship. So uh, these two are subjects that often get confused for one another mm-hmm. and uh, much like their uh, their cousin's guilt and shame, which we'll talk about next <laughs> week. But um, but on this episode, like I said, it's temptation and sin. So let's dig into that and then we'll uh, then we'll get into some Bible with it. So temptation is not the equivalent of sin. Temptation can uh, refer to natural and good desires that are twisted and directed toward pleasing, toward the pleasing of self rather than giving glory to God. Jesus was tempted like we are, and yet he never sinned, but faithfully resisted temptation and followed the will of his Father. Knowing our weaknesses, we are to be on guard against temptation that may lead us to sin, and we pray for God to deliver us from evil. So, if we simplify that down, temptation is not sin itself, but it provides an opportunity for sin. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good, succinct way to, to put things in terms of summarizing what our larger definition was. Temptation and sin sounds like maybe a name for a pro wrestling tag team or 80s rock band but uh, i mean it's left left fist right fist there too is temptation and <laughs> oh sin, yeah yeah so. there, there we go too yeah so anyways <laughs> that 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 ridiculous aside uh, aside set aside uh, we, we won't we won't be tempted by it for too long right no no um we do too. We do too often give in to our temptations Tempt- to say say and do ridiculous yeah, things sl- so, slight so. indulgences yes uh but uh, to, to move to, to move on to the discussion, uh, yes, I think saying that temptation uh, is inherently related to sin, but it's not sin itself, is is a, is a great point uh, to make, as both um, our, our larger definition does, and as you just you, you just did. Uh, I think it would be good to maybe highlight and survey several passages. Yeah, that, let's that do Deal it. with these uh, this this connection this relationship between temptation and sin and the appropriate distinction we need to make between them well the we're not going to read the passage but in genesis 3 we see the original uh, scenario of temptation and it's a temptation that sadly as we know leads to leads to sin and this this passage resonates so well because really every case of our giving in to temptation is a reenactment of this original giving into the temptation to listen to a competitive voice of opposition to God's word 
as if it knows better or that we know better than God himself and what he's uh, commanded for our good and that that anytime we do turn away from God's word and preference to, to something else and to heed another voice like that of the, the serpents in Genesis 3 we are we are just living out we are replaying this this original scene in the garden where Adam and Eve sinned against against God in the in the in the, in the first occasion uh, we see a reenactment of this that goes successfully that uh, though however in the Gospels uh, in the uh, synoptic Gospels we have this account of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness and we see Jesus uh, able to live faithfully and successfully navigate the temptations that Satan throws at him uh, while he's been uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights so thankfully we have Jesus the second and better the last Adam uh, come and endure temptation in our place but live through it obediently and successfully uh, because we all fell and everyone before Jesus failed in that scenario but Jesus is the one who obeyed in our place so that's important to understand in terms of Jesus uh, what theologians call his active obedience his not just dying on our behalf but living a faithful obedient life on our behalf where he was not where he was tempted though not but did not sin in any way uh, that's that's an important facet of our, of our doctrine both in terms of our understanding of who Jesus was as the son of God who was truly God and truly man but also for our salvation in terms of we owe a fully entirely obedient life to God that we cannot give as sinners but Jesus did on our behalf and now uh, where we see sin and temptation uh, the word temptation used explicitly are in passages uh, like Matthew 6 13 uh, where in the Lord's Prayer Jesus instructs his disciples to regularly be praying do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one we know that we are weak and frail and it's better that we avoid temptation altogether than try to face it and, and conquer it and so we ask God to deliver us from these situations where the evil one uh, might tempt us and also note that this is yes it is our sinful nature that, l that lures us into sin but also there's spiritual warfare components uh, to to temptation just as Jesus said we should be praying daily James 1 13 uh, and through 15 this distinguishes between trials and temptations that's an important thing to to note and that trials don't necessarily mean that you have a sin set before you just might have a difficult situation to face it doesn't mean it's that's a matter of sin or, or faithfulness but just a matter of getting through and surviving something and it builds character whereas a temptation is where you have options in front of you some of which being sin sinful some choices might not be sinful uh, but James 1 13 through 15 he writes no one undergoing a trial should say I am being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So that's an important principle, an important pattern we see laid out for us in James about how our own desires lead us into, into giving in to sin, giving in to, to temptation when faced with it. There's an internal compulsion, and we'll get more into that internal-external uh, difference between uh, temptation uh, in a few moments. First uh, John two fifteen through seventeen uh, says, "Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions. So there's a good description of how temptation and sin are bundled together. Is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains for, forever. And finally, uh, this is a passage in 1 Corinthians 10 where believers can take confidence that God is faithful to provide a, a way out of sin. Whenever we are faced with options and they include sinful ones, they're, they're, God does not leave his pe- people uh, without the capacity and the ability to flee that temptation, to avoid disobedience. And in uh, verse 6 through 13 of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes, Now these things took place as examples for us, talking about the Israelites' time in the, in the wilderness, if you go look at this passage in 1 Corinthians, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Don't become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people died. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. And don't grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. And that's an important note as we look back to the Old Testament um, for not just moral morality lessons, moral stories, that, that sort of thing, but that the types of temptation they experience are common to our own, but thankfully God provides for his people a way to avoid temptation and to, and to follow him uh, faithfully. Right. And just as a side note, this verse should not be used as a proof text for the untrue saying of God will not give you more than you can handle. Right. Right. Um, That's not what that means. So it just means that there is no there is no sort of temptation that uh, we will not uh, find a way out of with the Holy Spirit's help. So those are two different things. Entirely. Right, right. So good point. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, when we when it comes to understanding this doctrine, there are, there are a few things that we want to make sure that we that we know and that we understand well. And one of those first things is is distinguishing the difference between external and internal temptation. So, uh, external temptation is this idea of um, really the the activity or object that provides the. Prof- uh, potential to sin. So it's something outside of us that we see and that it plays on something in us that, that leads us toward an internal, internal temptation. Uh, interestingly enough, the two go together, but, Hmm. um, the internal temptation is the desire or impulse itself to do something sinful. And so, for example, though Jesus was sinless, he was tempted to disobey God. So externally, turning rocks to bread, testing God, worshiping Satan as a false god. Internally, though, Jesus had no sinful implication or no no Im- impli- inclin- inclinations. Yeah. Internally, though, 
Jesus had no sinful inclinations because A, he lacked a sin nature, and B, he is God along with being truly human. So unlike Jesus, though, our internal desires have been shaped by a lifetime of sin. And so some of our internal desires are temptation, uh, temptations whose apparent strength ebbs and flows. And so those external temptations are going to feed on those things. So we need to be aware of that. Now, what's something else that we need to know about this doctrine? Another thing we need to, to, we need to note is that we can avoid temptation, but, and we need to do so, but we also need to recognize that the reality of temptation does not eliminate the reality of our responsibility. So we can't make the, the excuse, the devil made me do it, or we can't even mitigate or deny our guilt because we do have a sin nature, which makes it easier to sin. It makes us more prone to sin. Uh, as sinners, and uh, speaking about things broadly, we, we certainly and inevitably will sin throughout our lives. It's a, it's a given. Ever since the fall, we've been oriented towards sin. Our, our orientation toward God and what is good has been distorted, and so we love, th- we love things. They can even be good things. We have a distorted order of them, a distorted priority, and it can even be warped and skewed to turn bad things into, into good things. Uh, the way that the that theologians have talked about it since you know several centuries into the churches, we cannot not sin. Mm-hmm. We're going to sin. We might not sin in a, in a given individual way in a scenario, but we are eventually going to sin. There's going to be sin on some level in some of our actions uh, throughout our lives and really on a daily level. And so broadly speaking, broadly speaking, sin is inevitable in, in our lives, though we are still guilty of it. We're still complicit in it. So we're responsible agents when we commit sin, but nothing coerces us to do anything against our will. We still yes. we still choose according to our ultimate desire in, in a given moment. We, we are the ones who commit the sin in a given scenario. Yeah. And so this is where we get in this, this reality, you know, divine sovereignty, human freedom, that that's a that's that's a paradox, a mystery in Scripture as to how both those can coexist, but it nonetheless presumes that they that they do. But the in in like manner with the with the realities of sin and temptation, our responsibility coexists with our propensity or our inclination to sin. So the Bible affirms both of these; it, yeah. hold, it holds them in tension and isn't afraid to do so. So we have a propensity, inclination, and orientation, if we could put it toward sin. And then there's the objectivity, though, of our responsibility that our choices are genuine. We choose according to our nature, according to our likes and dislikes, our preferences. Uh, but we, we don't want to get into the trap of thinking, well, temptation can only exist and sin can only exist as if we're blank slates, like every person is created like a new Adam. That would actually be to commit the heresy, the ancient heresy of Pelagianism yes. that taught that there was no such thing as original sin. Sin didn't corrupt. Every person was newly created and just needed to be taught to obey God as opposed to coming into the world with the inclination uh, toward, toward sin as opposed to loving and, and following God. So we want to affirm Again, both the objectivity of our responsibility that exists and doesn't go away just because we're sinners, but we nonetheless are inclined to sin rather than to obey. I'm I'm really glad that you that you brought that up that 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 there is this reality that 
we cannot not sin. That, right. But that we actually. But the reason we cannot not sin is because we want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so that, so it's ne- so when we get that, it, it often diffuses a lot of those, um, a lot of those those conflicts that we that we find. Um, when we see what scripture says and we hear different theological arguments in different camps and things like this and, um, and trying to, again, trying to explain these things to, to people of any age group, like Mm -hmm. trying to explain it to kids, trying to explain it to teenagers, trying to explain it to adults, it gets complicated fast. Um, kids often, you can, you can tell them it's like, well, we do it because we want to, and we do it because it's our nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get that. And then yeah. you get into the, the more of the moral categories the older you get. And that's when people start trying to yabut. Yeah and God doesn't give us a yabut. Yeah he just says what mm-hmm. is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so when you hear these things, and again, and this is the other reason thing I'm glad about is, is you use the word paradox. Because a paradox is, is, is an important thing for us to understand because there's a difference between a paradox and a contradiction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We often use those two as synonyms, much like sin and temptation often get confused as synonyms and guilt and shame, which, again, we'll talk about next week. They get confused as, as being synonymous as well. A contradiction is exactly what it sounds like. It's two things that cannot both be true. Mm-hmm. At the same time in the same relationship. Mm. A paradox outwardly may seem to be a contradiction. But as you dig deeper, you do see how there's logical consistency, how these two things can both simultaneously be true at the same time in the same relationships. So um, so that's just that piece there. Um, now... The last thing that we want to say before um, we really get into how this doctrine and how this understanding shapes our lives is this, that sin, that temptation like sin in general really does flow from uh, a distortion of seeing good things as ultimate things. That goes back to um, our wiring and our 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 internal our both our our wiring through our nature and also through our experiences of a lifetime of sin so uh, we do want to remember that god created us with an orientation toward him as the highest good that's what we were meant to do and how to live Um, but sin causes uh, us to believe something else is the highest good and or that there is an alternative path to reach what is ultimately good. And so um, Augustine used this this language of, of distorted desire, uh, distorted loves. And mm-hmm. so it's so when we sin, we're we're setting our affection. We're setting our love towards something that is not worthy of it. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. Um, temptation at its heart is to doubt God's goodness as he's communicated in his word and uh and really that he is this the ultimate source and uh, source and end of all good yeah and that is um there again there's another tricky thing there even in saying that because to say that temptation is to doubt God's goodness is not to say that you're that you're you're falling into the sin of unbelief 
what it is is saying that you are tempted you are tempted to doubt him even in your temptation to sin in some other way and so uh sin is very complicated in terms of its what it does with us and to us internally now in light of all of that what difference should should a deeper understanding of sin and temptation make well, it should definitely make us humble, uh, realistic, uh, empathetic, and sympathetic, both in appropriate ways, uh, because we're aware that we're, we're all sinners and we're all tempted by by different things. But one thing we want to note, and sometimes you'll see it the way people speak to certain issues of, of more controversy today, such as you know debates about sexual orientation and sexual sin, uh, you know, people can treat that as if everybody just on the starts at the same level same sorts of um sinful orientations same sorts of temptations appeal to them and that that's not the case we're distorted by sin in different ways so one takeaway we should we should have and and thinking about how this doctrine uh, and this distinction between temptation and sin makes a difference is that all of us are tempted by some things We're, we're all tempted in some way because we're sinners and we have distorted desires but all of us, we're not tempted equally by the same things. We, yes. we are tempted by different things in, in different ways on different levels, different degrees of intensity. So our individual personalities and our life experience, that's going to make us prone to different sorts of, of temptation. Is it nature or nurture that makes us prone to certain sins? Yes, it's both. Uh, nature and nurture, there are some things about our personality, about our about our wiring, as much as I don't like to think of ourselves as, as machines, as much as whatever it is that makes us act and have the personality that we do, do have, um, that makes us prone to certain forms of sin that it might not, the way that other people are wired, it might not. So uh, nature and nurture both play a part in that. It's hard to determine which one's is more the culprit there uh but you just think of these different sorts of sins and how different people either yourself or people you might know have a different um a a different tendency to to drift into in terms of how how their sin expresses itself so there's some people who are more self-absorbed there's some people who have more of a complaining spirit some people more contentiousness uh more contentious than others in, in terms of uh, disagreeing and not wanting to be uh, amiable to, to what others might want. Uh, there's people who are more prone to substance abuse than others. Some uh, will be guilty more of emotional abuse toward toward others. And then there's some who struggle with uh, sexual sin, as we as we mentioned, is a common controversy and uh, pervades a lot of discussion today. Uh, but lust, adultery, fornication—that's going to tempt some people more than more than others. And some people might have. Uh, might be more prone to racism and being prejudiced toward certain people or certain groups. And so most of us don't fall into being tempted equally across all those categories just there, but all of us can think of people or think of types of people among the broader culture or people we might know who drift into these different categories of sin. So another, another 
just word that, that that we would offer in terms of what difference this this understanding can make is is that that this would encourage us to not succumb to a stop it mentality. And so there's a, there's this comedy skit from years and years and years back, and it's it's become used to the point of cliche now, but it's uh, but it's because it's great. Um, and so it's Bob Newhart, um, you know, playing uh, playing a psychiatrist. Yeah. And basically with every issue that gets brought to him with every client, his answer is always the same. It's just stop it. Yep. <laughs> and so um, and and the problem is, is that that telling people to stop it doesn't help. Right. Because what that is, is that's just asking us to to pull try and pull ourselves up by our own boot bootstraps and just willpower and white knuckle our way through any sort of sin and temptation. The problem is, is that willpower will not overcome temptation for the long run. You may be able to white knuckle it through a moment of temptation or 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 even a season, but not forever. Um, and so our wills need to be aligned with new desires. Um, we need to find uh, we we need to find what will satisfy us in a permanent way, so that our un- most underlying desires are redirected. Otherwise, we're going to eventually succumb to that temptation once again, um, or merely replace it with something else. Um, and so this is this is where everything ultimately comes back to the gospel. Right. Um, I mean, Thomas Goodwin, uh, Thomas Goodwin um, in The Great Gain of God- Godliness said, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And so we have to see, and we have to, we have to taste and see that sin is awful. Right. right. Um, it has to taste like black licorice um, in order for it to, uh, in order for us to recognize that it is actually horrible. Yes, and, and Christ tastes better than red Twizzlers, by the way. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad you're absolutely. a fellow uh, Twizzler hater. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think think you're on to something here in terms of it's not merely mere will, willpower that can lead us to successfully navigate temptation and to, to conquer it on a, on a consistent level in, in our lives. It, C.S. Lewis comes to mind whenever we're thinking about how our desires are, are distorted and how we can, what we have in in Christ and knowing how God's been revealed to us in Christ and who he is to us in Christ. Uh, it's not that our desires are too, um, are, are too passionate or too strong. It's that they're not strong enough is what C.S. Lewis says. So we need to realize that there is something that can gratify and satisfy these intense underlying desires that, that, that we all have it's more rather than rather than that our desires are too strong is that they're actually not strong enough for settling when we succumb to sin and temptation so it's not that we uh, are are being overly indulgent or satisfied when we succumb to temptation it's more that we're being too easily satisfied is the way that that C.S. Lewis uh, put it and I can't remember exactly how he contrasts this, but he says there's this there's this feast at sea ready for us, you know, going on a cruise and eating uh, delicious foods or waiting, but we're, you know, playing in a mud puddle along the shore of the beach. Uh, there, there's just something much more elegant and altogether satisfying uh, awaiting us and what we have uh, in God's riches uh, for us in Christ. 
And so that, that's something we need to keep in mind to have this sort of positive outlook on on navigating through temptation, that it's not about just stealing certain desires. It's more finding, well, what's what's good about our desires and how do we find the good to to fulfill to fulfill them we have a longing for something and and god's made us for himself that's why augustine said our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him that's ultimately the source and answer to overcoming temptation is to find christ more of a delight than than the sin that might tempt us that is a great note for us to end on so thanks josh for talking about this topic today and thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.